turn open to the book of Genesis, but um, we're going we're gonna to be doing something a little bit different this morning. Um, last Sunday, we looked at Genesis chapter 4, uh, the uh, narrative of Cain and Abel, uh, and looked in that kind of, uh, in some depth, uh, but I've really, in, in praying in preparation for uh, this series in Genesis, particularly the idea is, is that we're going to look at the patriarchs and we're going to go from chapter 12 onwards, uh, but I didn't, you know, you can't, you can't just begin at 12 uh, and wanting to do treatment to, to, to the patriarchs. I've wanted to summarize uh, through the book of Genesis, and uh, I realized that if I didn't do a good job summarizing, I would, I would be hanging out through uh, chapter 11 for a long time. So uh, this morning, uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 5 all the way uh, to Genesis chapter 11, though it says on the screen Genesis 1 through 12. Um, I'm not going to read all that this morning. That'd be the easiest sermon ever, just sit up here and read the Bible the whole time. But uh, I'm not going to do that. But, um, you know, there's different genres uh, of, of literature in the Bible. Uh, and a, a big majority of the genres is narrative. And it's a story. That's one of the reasons I, I love the Bible at such a young age. I loved stories and good stories. Uh, and this, this is an amazing one uh, that we'll look at today. Uh, but it's a very profound one uh, that I think we all need to capture, uh, especially whenever you see in the Bible, you see things repeat. If you're reading and you hear you know, the same phrase over and over, you need to pay attention to it. Uh, well, as we, as we look at Genesis, there's a narrative, and there's, there's this, uh, this meta-narrative, and we see a pattern over and over, and it reveals the purpose of the patriarchs. Uh, it, 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 you know, begins, the meta narrative begins in Genesis uh, chapter 1 and creation and then in the fall, but then it continues on through those first 11 chapters uh, and until we finally arrive uh, to this, this, this very important bringing of a covenant that will eventually bring us Christ. And so this morning we're going we're gonna to look at that in, in, in from a, from a you know, 40,000 foot view. Um, but I, I just, to, to introduce it, to you this morning, uh, I want to share something I mentioned earlier. We have impact tonight. All of our high school students are invited to come. Uh, we have a good time. It's it's uh, from about six to seven thirty or eight. Uh, just it's typical youth setting. But uh, one of the things that we're trying to do is really grapple with some big truths that maybe some of our students might have to encounter after they leave the home and go off to college or off to work. And I want to help students to grapple with some of these issues now and. Uh, today we're going to talk about, you know, is God real? You know, what, what's, what's the proof of God? There's a, a study that I, that, thank goodness I'm not going to do this on my own, but it's, by, it's called The Unshakable Truth by Joshua McDowd. Uh, if you know him, he's a Christian apologist, and he spends a lot of time communicating with college students and older high school students. But he, he made this comment uh, in this study that we're going to be doing this week that really caught me a few weeks ago. He says, there is a verse in the Bible that caused Oprah to say that she was abandoning the God of the Bible. There's this verse. He says, because of that, I, I'm, you know, and, and I, I'm not here to throw stones at Oprah today, but I just want you to know, you need to really investigate what people teach and say and profess, because 
Um, I've listened to Oprah for a little while. I had to growing up, going, you know, having to, my parents had a small business in San Angelo, and we were raised up there, and I remember taking naps underneath the desk, but who remembers the old TVs? They had like a screen this big and a box this big, you know? Mom, you know, mom would have, be watching soap operas, and in the summer, I could count the day, the time, according to the soap opera, and according to when the news came on, and, and Oprah, too. I remember Oprah, when Oprah came on, I knew we were getting close to the end of the day. It was always a good sign. Um, but in, in Exodus chapter 34, uh, verse 14, uh, there is a, uh, this is, 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 is Moses is at Mount Sinai and God's children are there and, and, uh, the, the, the commandments, the tablets is, uh, with, with God's law has already been destroyed once because of the, the immediate unfaithfulness of God's children. It's written again, but we hear these words, and I won't go into the whole context. This is, this is the verse of Scripture that Oprah said that caused her to want to, according to Joshua McDowell, that wanted to walk away from the God of the Bible. It says in Exodus thirty four fourteen, Because the Lord is jealous for his reputation, you are never to bow down to another God. He is a jealous God. Now, in the, in the Hebrew language in which this was originally recorded, the literal translation basically implies that one of the names of God, my name is Jealous. He's saying, he's not just saying I'm jealous. He says, but I am, that's in my nature, I am jealous. And, and I guess, you know, I haven't dove into the context of, of, you know, Oprah's reasoning, but I can only imagine that, that jealousy has a negative connotation, doesn't it? How many times have you had a, were you disciplined as a child? Uh, don't share if you were disciplined as an adult. God does that all the time for us. But have you ever, were you disciplined as a child or have you had to discipline your children because of a sin at the root of it was some type of jealousy, you know, and, and, and jealous of something else. But there's something really particular whenever you dive in to understand what this word means in the Hebrew, in, 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 the, in the Hebrew language, in Hebrews. What does it mean whenever God says that I am a jealous God? And this is what it means, okay? It basically means that God is passionate and intense about his desire to have a relationship with you. Whenever he says he is jealous, he wants you. He doesn't want to share you with anybody else. He didn't want to share his children with other gods, other things. Uh, and, 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 you know, he, 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 we see this story over and over of God you know, reaching out in relationship, and we're going to talk about that. But, but if you get nothing else today um, for my sermon, I, I just want you all to know that, that God is passionate about his people. He wants a relationship with you. He, he wants you to know him in a way that you've never known him before. Even if you've been in relationship with him for, for decades, there's still more. There's still something left. There's still something greater. And, and he wants that with you. Some people are just scratching the surface, you know, in your relationship and your, in your walk with Christ, okay? Some of you have been walking with him for decades. Some of you have been in relationship, but you've been scratching the surface ever from the beginning. I don't know where you're at in that process. Or maybe some of you are thinking, you know, I'm really not sure if I have that relationship. Um, but I just want you to know that God wants it. And, and whenever we look at the, the story, and, and, and that's, that's, I'm just going to tell a big story this morning um, about 
about you know, the, this pattern we see in these first 11 chapters of Genesis, we, we basically see something very specific over and over. We see that God created you and me to be in relationship with Him, to know Him and to be known by Him with a purpose. Um, but we always slap God's hand away. You know, I mean, I ever t- oftentimes when I preach, I, um, I, have, I have illustrations that come to mind that have to do with my kids because my stage of life. But, you know, I, I, you know, have you ever tried to reach after a kid that's fixing to go somewhere that they shouldn't go and you try to grab them and they try to like jerk away from you or try to swat your hand away? You know, when I would do that, that meant that I was fixing to get swatted, you know, but... Um, you know, we, we see in this story, this happening time and time again, God has a plan. Now, oftentimes, uh, in, you know, what does relationship look like to God and us in the Old Testament? And I'm going to use a word here called covenant. We'll talk about covenant in our series that we're going to do for the next several months through the book of Genesis. But it's just, you know, the, the idea of covenant is just, it's just, it's an agreement between people and between a higher authority. There's, there's different types of covenant in the Old Testament. There, there's a covenant between nations. There's covenant between individuals. And there's these divine human agreements between man and God. Um, but, 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 you know, whenever you talk about covenant in the Old Testament, just, ima- just picture, this. know what this is about? This is about God wanting to be in a relationship with his creation, with his people, that God wants that. And he wants that badly. He wants that today. And, 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 but, but then we see here, there's, a, there's an issue here. There's an issue we see over and over. I had a conversation with a, with a church member this week. I won't tell you who they were because they'll get really embarrassed and mad at me, so I won't say their name. But they told me that, you know, after last Sunday's sermon about Cain and Abel, we kind of left just thinking, man, it, we're just kind of hopeless, right? I mean, the first natural-born human on the earth, Cain, was a murderer. And, and, and even though God tried to, 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 to pull him away from the edge of sin and, and from, from you know, what he did to his brother Abel, he killed him. Even before that happened, God tried to rescue him, but, but he turned his back on him. Even, and even after the sin happened, God still offered a way to pull him back, but he, he still pushed him away and, and you know, kind of left the sermon thinking he, you know, it, was, it was kind of a downer. <laughs> and, and it's okay. Sometimes the Word of God is a downer. And that, and that is it, to, to think about that. I, I prefaced the, 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 the message uh, with the junior high students this morning uh, with a, just a quick encouraging word um, that I've, what, what I believe theologically about us, okay? I explain what the word theology means. Theo uh, is the word for God in Greek, and ology is the study of it. But it's the study of God is what theology is, all it is. I said, here's a theological truth that I've learned it's kind of uh, countercultural to Mason, but here it is. You just as you are, you're a loser. And that kind of looked at me funny, like you just looked at me when I said that. You're a loser. And, and that, but that's that, guys, that's true. Let, let's just, I'll just make it personal, okay? So you don't feel like I'm attacking you. I know I'm a loser. I know that there's something deep inside of me uh, that is broken. I know the hidden sin. I know the hidden rage. 
I know the jealousy that lurks within me. I know the struggles of my past. I know the fears that I have. And I know that they is, is a result of something broken within me. And it's because of the, the, the inherited sin that, that Paul talks about we receive from Adam. It, it, it's, a, it's a sin nature that's broken. And, and I, just, I just want you to know the world screams out, you're okay, you're a winner, it's all all right, everything's going to be fine. But we know that it's not all going to be okay. We know that life is tough. We know there's struggle. We know there's depression. We know there's sickness. We know there's death. We know that there's many given, many given things that aren't okay. And I just, I just want you to know you're not okay completely by yourself. But the answer to the struggle is God wants a relationship with you. God wants intimacy with you. God wants to be with you in your circumstances, and he is the perfecter of our faith. He is the one that goes into those struggles, and he brings answer and clarity and help and change. But this is a struggle we all have. And if you look, it's a struggle that man has had from the beginning. When you look at the first 11 chapters of Genesis, you know, we, we, we know the story. We know, first off, that God created Adam and Eve in the garden. He gave them a, a, he gave them a purpose. He gave them an identity. They were created in his own likeness and his own image. He gave them work. He gave them pleasure. He gave them each other companionship. It was an idyllic setting. But we know that they swatted God's hand away because of sin. They, they disobeyed God. They didn't, they didn't want all that God had given them. It's just, I mean, there's a lot more to it. You know it. I preached it. They swatted God's hand away. Well, then we know we looked at Genesis chapter 4. We see that story there again. We see that, that uh, after they were put out of the garden, though it's not just this harsh, uh, you know, just, just super harsh uh, condemnation. I mean, it, it's actually a, a sign of grace. God put them out of his presence rather than annihilate them for their sin. He puts them under his common grace and protection, but he puts them out of the garden and to go and work the land and to, to have to continue the work. And, and we see a picture that Adam and Eve, they, 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 they know they sinned. We see some evidence that there's some repentance. He's taught, obviously, he's taught his children how to worship and how to sacrifice. There's a picture of the first sacrifice in chapter 3. But we see, you know, the, the, the very next step in, 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 in the picture here of God's work in, in, in our story on the earth is Cain and Abel. And we see that, that God's hand is swatted away by man in Cain. Then we see uh, immediately uh, in chapter 4, at the very end of chapter 3, actually, you know, you know, Cain is put away and put out again, much like his parents following the, the father's footsteps. He's put out away from God's protection to roam the earth. We see that story. We see, though, that, that God provides another child to, to, to Adam and Eve. His name is Seth. And it's this, 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 this awesome you know, sign that says that after Seth came and he had, he had more children, it says that men began to call on the name of the Lord again. It's a, okay, finally, we're going to get it handled. It's going to be okay. But, you know, this story is already, it's depressing, but there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, right? But then when we get to the end of, uh, or the beginning of chapter 6, it says in chapter 6, verse 5, when the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth, and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. The Lord uh, regretted that he had made man on the earth. And he was uh, deeply grieved. 
Even after God provided more children that were godly and they led a, had a, a lineage of faith and they turned back to God, but even after a while, they swatted God's hand away again. Faith keeps failing here, these people, over and over. And then after that, we, we see the, you know, but one, the Bible has these great buts in the Bible, but God found favor in Noah. And God preserved the earth through Noah and his family. We've heard that story before. God destroyed the earth with water. I take that as a literal truth, a literal story. Uh, but a- after the flood of waters receded, Ad- uh, Noah's children uh, set up camp on the earth. And-, and we see some of the despicable and sad things that happened with Noah right afterwards. But they go out to be fruitful and try to respond to God's common grace and preserving them on the earth. And they go... And they establish these nations. But then we see yet again, after a period of time, we see the story of Babel. How the, 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 the people of God on the earth, they, they make a, a place to worship the heavens. And, and, and basically, they, they indulge in pagan worship and taking on a new name for themselves. And again, they swat the hand of God away. It's a story of this happening over and over and over and whenever we come, I mean, the, 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 where we're going to begin next week is going to be right there at the beginning of chapter 12, where we're going to get into some of the detail of Abram's life. But he is, he is living in the shadow of Babel. That, that's the time frame that we're talking about, very early. Um, but we see something very unique and precious in that text. We see God still longing for relationship, though they are faithless, though they are not patient, though they turn their back on God over and over and over. God has a plan because God knows there's something that needs to be fixed in us that we can't do by ourselves. Even this covenant relationship that we see about here in the early chapters of Genesis, even the subsequent Covenants that will come along. Um, there, there's something more that needs to be fixed. And guys, this morning the, the sermon is not very complicated or very deep. It's very direct. And I, I just want to address our sinfulness. And I want to address our brokenness. Because I, I don't want you to leave today with a downer. And, and being, you know, thinking that, you know, the struggle and the brokenness within me. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you're having a, a struggle identifying with what I'm talking about today. I don't know if you're having a struggle identifying with the struggle of sin, the struggle of, of loneliness, the, the, the struggle of, of insecurity. But I, I, just, I just want you to know that there is a remedy to that struggle within you. There is a remedy to that brokenness within you. It is a relationship with God. But I want you to know, this, this is the important thing you got to know. Because here's the other thing, too, that, that scares me sometimes, okay? It, is that, uh, you know, preachers and, and good works of God in the church, uh, you know, make grand proclamations and, and try to give you some, 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 some good truth and makes you feel good for a moment and, 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 you, and you go along your path, but there's really no true change in your life. And I don't want that. Because here's the thing. 
There is something to be known, and, and, and we live in Mason, Texas, part of the, you know, the, the eye of the buckle of the, in, the, in the Bible belt, you know, you know what that means. And we, I, I, I doubt there's a single person in this room, maybe, I doubt there's a single person in this room, though, that has not heard the story of Jesus. That, that, that I doubt there's anyone in here that doesn't understand what Christ has done on your behalf. I mean, you know, the, the, the picture is real simple, that, that Christ died to take your place uh, of punishment of sin, that if you would trust him, he'll forgive you and give you heaven. I think we all know that. We, I heard you singing a while ago. Good singing this morning. I think you've all heard the story. But, but, but what, what is the, what is the, the, the remedy, though, that, that, that has to be fixed within us? What, what is it that fixes the issue? Because also, maybe if you're reading this story, maybe you're, you're questioning, you know, is God sane in all of this? Uh, is God kind of slow? You know, I mean, I mean, he eventually solves sin on the cross. He eventually brings his work of grace. What's taking so much time here? I, I, I don't know what questions might be going through your, through your mind here, but I just, I just want you to, I want to bring you to, to something that I think is, is very significant if you, if you really think that you're broken if you're really struggling with sin. See, there has to be something radically different transformed in your life. In this relationship with God, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Spirit has to change who you are. And in John chapter 3, um, Jesus talks about that specifically. You have to be born again. You have to be born of the Spirit of God. And whenever we go through the Old Testament that's what's so great about this story. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have all the answers to the questions that might arise in your mind about how God has done the story and the work of redemption. Here's what I do know. I know that every step of the way in history, just like in every step of the way in your life, God has always offered a way out. He's always offered a hand of grace and mercy it's us, though, that oftentimes will not grab a hold of the hand of help. We're the ones that swatted away. I want you to know this morning that that hand is here. But there's a promise that is going to be revealed in, in the story that we're going to look at together. There, there's something marvelous that's going to happen. And way past, way past even the story we're going to look, look at in Genesis uh, and the story of the patriarchs, we come across what I think is, what, not what I think, it is, it is my favorite, one of my favorite verses of Scripture. Uh, it's in Jeremiah chapter 31. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point uh, you to that here in a second and, and just read this. But, but, but before I read it, I, I, just, I, just, I, just, I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord right now. I don't know what life has been like this week, if it's been a really struggle and, 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 and it's been difficult and your faith has been waning. But I, I, I need you to hear me this morning. Your wayward heart will not be fixed naturally. It won't just get better with time. It, it won't just get better with an external change. It won't happen. You've got to have a spiritual cardiologist come in and fix your heart. And and I I just want you to know that God wants to intervene on your behalf in this this broken relationship. See, as we consider this story of, of, of God wanting to interact in relationship, but we 
continually and consistently swiping God's hand away. God is bringing about an ultimate solution, if, you, if I can use that, that phrase, to, to finally and rightly, completely heal people if they will respond to him in faith. Now, I do believe salvation was present in the Old Testament. I think it's clear from reading Scripture. But God had a plan uh, to broaden the reach of His grace. And God has broadened that reach, and that's why we are here today. God has a plan to multiply His reach of healing and help beyond this congregation. And He's equipped us to do that. Um, I'm fixing to talk about this gift that he's given you to do that. Um, I, I keep going back to my time with the junior high students, and I, I just want to challenge you real quickly before I read this text. Um, you know, um, think about the if you, if you have a relationship with Christ, okay? If this change that I'm fixing to talk about is present in your life, how valuable is it to you? How valuable is salvation to you? Uh, I talked to the students about this. We, we only had like three uh, this past uh, week. And I said, guys, what if I gave you all a dime right now? Would that be epic enough that you would want to tell people about it? If I gave you a dime, a new one, I'll give you a new dime. Would you want to tell anybody about it? There's a time whenever a dime would be something specific, special, right? Inflation's killed a dime. There's not much value to that. So what if I gave you $100? Well, that, that would create some chatter. That would be something pretty significant. You want to tell people about that, right? If I gave you 100 bucks right now, would you be excited? What if I gave you $10,000? $10,000. Man, you would be talking about that until you were dead, right? I've been given two vehicles in my life by very generous people. And I'm still telling people about it, Okay. Justin Haynes, Jim Bob Kafer, those are the two men that blessed my family in amazing ways. Man, that was awesome to receive that gift. Now, i got to be honest, though, I haven't talked about Jim Bob or Justin. I don't even think I've said their names out loud for maybe five or ten years. But guys, what about this gift that God's given us? Is it a ten-cent gift or is it epic? Is it, is it the answer to this meta-narrative we see, this big systemic problem of a brokenness within us that cannot be changed on our own? But if Christ has changed you, what has changed in you? Is it just salvation? Is it heaven? I'm good. Check that off the list. Go about my day. Or do you live for him with passion, with the same passion that he loves you? Because God promised in a day he's going to do something so significant that it's going to change and mark people in a different way on the earth than they've ever been changed or marked before. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 to 34, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, a new agreement, another agreement. These agreements have been made over and over, and they're broken. Me and Rachel have been in the covenant for 19 years, and we have not broken it. At least I know I haven't. I know Rachel hasn't either. It's not been broken, and I praise God for that. But we know that these agreements are broken all the time. We see agreements broken between people all the time, but he says this in his word. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, but this is the covenant I will make 
with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart. I will write it and I will be their God and they will be my people. They will not teach uh, again each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. God was promising there through the prophet Jeremiah that I'm going to change something within them that will completely change their identity. Though man has broken covenant over and over whenever they enter into this agreement, the covenant cannot, will not be broken by them again. And I have never broken my covenants and I will ensure they will not again. What what could cause that? It's whenever you understand that you are broken, you understand the meta-narrative of your life like we see in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. You are broken and you can't fix it, but you know about Christ. And you turn your heart to Christ and ask him in. And, and guys, it's, it's not just, we can all go through the motions. But it's by turning your heart and genuinely saying, God, I'm done. I need help. Would you help me? I know I'm a sinner. I know what's the remedy. I know you've brought your son Jesus as a penalty for my sin. But, but I need to, to do more than know about it. I need you to change me. And whenever you ask God to forgive you and to change you, if the word of God says that the promised Holy Spirit comes into your life and will change your want or change your desires, and he will transform what's broken inside of you. And that's why I want to sing the songs that I sing. That's why I want to sacrifice the way God wants me to sacrifice. And I am not a perfected human anymore. It doesn't mean that I'm all of a sudden, you know, the super spiritual man. But what it means is that God has changed who I am on the inside. I started by talking about, I shared with junior high students that I'm a loser without Christ. But in him, he has changed who I am. And the story of, of Genesis all the way through is the story of, of, of God interacting with man right where they're at because he comes down to you. So I just want to ask you this morning, do you have a relationship with God that has changed you? Is it something that you've gone through the motions and swatted the hand away? Or are you really following Christ today? I, I, I don't know what the struggle is, but I know... I know what the answer is. God wants to give, wants to give you something um, because you need him very badly. Would you pray with me? Father, I just ask, Lord, that those that are here this morning, Father, that were, Lord, singing praises to your name, Father, in the time of worship, Lord God, I just ask, Lord, that Lord, the purpose of the songs they were singing, Father, is because, Lord, they're, Lord, they're, they're desperate to tell others about who you are. They're desperate to share the stories of what you have done. Father, maybe they're here singing these songs, Father, but Lord, because they're, Lord, they're this overjoyed, Father, Lord, though they still struggle and though they may have failed, God, they know that you will never fail them and you will never leave them. Father, because you've given them your word, you've given them your Holy Spirit, Father, and you've changed them. But, Father, I do ask, God, for those that are here this morning, Lord, that are far from you, 
Lord God, that Lord, you Lord, would show them how passionate you are about a relationship with them. And Father, it, it's not just a, Lord, just a passing feeling. Lord God, it's not just a, a moment in the day, Father, where we think, oh, that, that, that makes me feel good. That gives me some encouragement. God, it's, it's life-changing. Lord, I pray every single person in this room, God, Lord, has that relationship. But if they don't, Father, I pray, God, that you would freely offer it to them this morning. Father, they, they can walk down the aisle and talk and pray with me, or they can stand right there and do business with you, or wait until the service is over and people mingle away, but grab someone by the arm and say, I need to talk, I'm struggling. I, I don't know, Father, Lord, what you're calling out for this morning, but God, I pray, Lord, you'd make it evident to every one of us. And Father, I pray you'd convict us, Lord, if we do have that relationship and that change. God, that we would value you. Lord, not just what you've done for us. Lord, not just the blessing you've given us in salvation. But God, we would value who you are. Value your name enough, Father, to live for you. To know, God, that you have adopted us into your family as you've given us your spirit. Father, you've made us new. And Father, we don't belong to ourselves any longer. But God, we belong to you. Well, Lord, please, God, let that be a foundational marker of who we are in this gathering, in this church here in Mason. God, that we can make you famous. Lord, as you show great value in yourself and us, God, thank you for changing me. But Lord, I pray you continue to do that work through our ministry here. But God, even this morning, if people need a relationship with you, Father, if people are struggling and need help, God, I pray. Lord, that you would meet them right where they're at. I want to ask you all to stand. Pastor John's going to lead us in a song. And if God has just compelled your heart to respond somehow this morning, maybe it's, it's, you know, you've had the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus, but you never really have stepped out in faith. If you want to talk about what that means this morning, we're here. If maybe you've said, you know, I really believe I've you know, made that step of faith internally, but I've never been public about it. I, wanna, I, I know I need to tell the world I'm following Jesus. Guys, that's all baptism is. I don't know what God is calling you to do, but I just ask, don't leave here again stuck in the same narrative. Man, be the man or the woman God created you to be. He's going to fix it this morning if you'll let him. So we'll sing. If you need prayer, you need to talk. Come on down, we'll do it. We'll just just wait a moment. But let's worship together. Thank you for saving me. What can I say?
standing on the other side of the barrier, Lord God, between themselves and you, Father. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, tear that barrier down, Father. Thank you, Father, for giving us a relationship. Lord, thank you for changing us who we are. But God, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would be amplified in our lives, Father, Lord, and as we walk with you in this new year, Father. But Father, as also as we tell about you, and Father, I pray, God, that you would move and change our families, God. Lord, we know it will not be without struggle, Father, as we follow you, Lord. We know there's, always, there's an enemy. But God, we know that, Father, in a relationship with you, Father, walking uh, behind you, Father, and knowing in that, God, Lord, you're even <laughs> guarding our back, Father, that, Lord, it's just a sideshow, this world, the enemy, Father, as we live for your glory. I pray, God, that the meta-narrative of our life, Father, won't be a repetitive 
theme of brokenness and struggle, but God, of victory. And Father, change, not just in our own lives, but God, for those that we share with, Lord. Lord, we thank, thank you for the day, Father. We do lift up those that are hurting and struggling, Father, those far away, God, the crises, Lord, our nations, 